You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second and 10 from the 19. Jones for the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown. Golden Tate holds it in. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host of Football Grump, and with me today is a very special guest. He is the host of the Just the Giants Fan podcast. He is the one and only Victor Perez. Victor, welcome to Just Giants. Thank you. I, I swear, when I came up with the name of my podcast, I spent like two days <laughs> trying to think of something unique, and every time I fucking Googled it, somebody else already had it. Hmm. Finally landed, you know what? I'm Just the Giants Fan. That's what I'm going to call myself. Googled it, nothing came up. By the time I posted my second episode, Googled myself to see if it came up, your podcast came up. I was like, you know what? I, I give up. I'm not doing this. I ain't changing it. So I wasn't <laughs> trying to take anything from you guys. It's just Google sucks. All right. No, no. It's, it's... I'm, I'm glad to be here. You guys do a great podcast. Uh, one of like We have a lot of shows. Uh, fans in general, like Giants fans, have a lot of shows that seem to resemble the voice of the people, but you guys are very much in line with that. You know, um, it's, I don't turn you on to go to sleep. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's funny is you're like one of probably one of my first followers on Twitter. I think that, that really truly like interacted a whole lot with me. Um, and I, we, we thought it was kind of funny that our, our, podcast names are similar how how long were we around when you had ended up making it because i feel like it was right around when we started i have no idea right like i i clicked and i saw oh crap there's a few episodes up i look like i just stole this (laughs) this podcast (laughs) name (laughs) but you know i was just like i'm not even going to stress about it i'm just my podcast is very reflective of my attitude right is like i'm i'm just having fun with this i'm going to talk about what i want to i'm going to form the opinions that i do i don't want to parrot what anybody else does uh i don't want to just be one of those you know like you see like the 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 sites where it's like oh they just basically copy and pasted someone else's article cited them but their content is completely somebody else's so like my content's a lot like that, and it's also like that in that um, it kind of goes up whenever I get a chance or feel like recording. You know, if it's a week where it's like, man, that loss sucked, I'm just gonna complain like everybody else's. I ain't put it. I'm not putting up an episode. So um, I guess to go back to the, your question, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I highly recommend listening to just just a Giants fan podcast. The episodes feel to me like just the right amount of like level headedness and emotion. Like you really do split between the two. And like, even when you're mad, it's a very relaxed mad. It has, it gives off this like disappointed dad kind of feel about the team, which is kind of funny, but also like hurts so much. Like I feel that one, but it's informative. It's intelligent. You're very patient and you account for a lot of nuance. You know, I think that like you and I actually share a lot of similar opinions. I think, you know, just going through and not everything, but I mean, who does, but, you know, I think you're a very smart guy, and that's why I brought you on here. And that's to I make me that. look smart. That's what I'm looking for here. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem at all. 
Um, so what we're doing here, we've all bitched and moaned about how the 2021 season clearly hasn't gone the way anyone wanted or kind of expected. Um, we've done plenty of that. So since the prospect of playoffs this year is pretty slim, not out of the realm of possibility, but slim, we can take this time off here, this bye week, to start to look at how the Giants can continue, try to continue to rebuild this franchise into a contender. What we've been looking at for like the last, what has it been, a, a decade? Um, so... You know, this is going to be kind of a two-part episode here. You know, Vic, Victor's going to work with me here on the financial issues that are facing the Giants next year. And um, so the cap ceiling for 2022 agreed upon between the NFLPA and the NFL is $208.2 million. Is that, that's, we agree on that, right? Because one of the things we talked about right before we did this is that everybody's numbers when they do cap stuff like this, especially projected a year in the future, everyone's numbers are going to be a little bit different, right? But the ceiling's yeah. the same. Yeah, and it's fucked up, right, in a way, because I think the NFLPA screwed their players by agreeing to a $208 million cap. Because now that people are back in stadiums, now that these TV deals have kicked in, and you know the profits are going to start exploding. But they negotiated that cap. I, I think it could be more. Like, if they hadn't done it, um, I'd be very surprised to see the cap be under 208 um, but I, honestly, I think it probably will end up being more if there wasn't an agreed upon cap. Um, but yeah, two, 208 is what everybody assumes that's, that should be right, but that's the most. So any figures we talk about here, um, that's going to be based on that. And if it comes for whatever reason comes out lower, we're probably in a worse situation, <laughs> a much worse situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is just another instance of the NFLPA not doing a very good job at their own job. Um, <laughs> just another one of those instances. So we, we agree then that it's uh, $208.2 million is what we're going to be basing it around. And what that means is that the Giants are projected to have $10 million over that cap as we speak right now today. And that's actually a day after Graham Gano moved his cap stuff around for this year's stuff which I didn't even notice until I started doing this exercise. Um, so the Giants are projected to be $10 million over the cap, about 10.5 actually, um, but they will have 42 players. They currently have 42 players signed to that 2022 roster. Um, where do you want to start when you look at this roster as a whole? Because you, you kind of want to look at uh, strength of this team. Yeah, so really, you got to look at where we're good and where we're not good, right? So on paper, anyway, assuming everybody's healthy, I okay. should like about 85% of this team. Um, I mean, it's not really a debate that we need starters on the O-line. The debate is really like, all right, well, how many? And even then, that's kind of not a strong debate. Um, I think it's at least two positions. I would say, you know, at best it's two positions. And that really depends on, you know, whether you think Hernandez and Pert can function um, as starters on the right side at some point um, and how, you know, how much they grow this year. Uh, it, it depends on Nick Gates if he's able to come back from that, her, you know, horrific leg injury and right. come back and start and pick things right back up. Um, if it were talking about this year right now, I mean – the ideal line, right, is Thomas, Gates, Price, Hernandez, and Pert, just based on what we've seen and what they should have been this year. Mm -hmm. um, 
So you figure at least two of those you got to be able to flip and specifically on the right side and improve. Um, I don't want to do that during through free agency. You're going to end up overpaying. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Nate Solder. That's the most recent example for us. You can also sure. talk about Jeff Schwartz years ago. You can talk about it, it happens every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you always overpay. They almost never meet the contract. It's and it, when you're picking somebody else up off free agency. Um, I also think that uh, Austin Johnson, not for nothing, doesn't do it for me. Um, even though he's been good, li- you know, better lately. Uh, at least as long as Danny Shelton isn't next to him. <laughs> um, you know, he doesn't quite do it for me. Although I'm biased because I missed Linval Joseph when he left and I missed Dalvin Tomlinson now that he's gone. I'm one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we can always use another bona fide pass rusher. I mean, Al Jolari's been, you know, as advertised. He just needs to show that he can keep it up the rest of the year. Uh, Roche's been a pleasant surprise lately. Uh, but I, he's another one where it's like, all right, well, you've shown me that you can uh, uh, have an impact in a game. You just got to keep that up. Right. And if not, then um, that's one more pass rusher we got to find, right? Um, I'm higher than most on lower. O'Shane Zimenez, whatever, write him off. He, mm-hmm. he don't count no more. You know, he's a backup rotational guy. He's backup, backup. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, I'm higher on him than most. So am I. I tell you guys right now. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's because I feel like when people rag on him, it's because they want him to be one of those pure pass rushes. Um, and that, that's that's not really him. He's He's got to be looked at as the Sam linebacker that the Giants need him to be. And in that role, he's I think he's done pretty well. You know, hmm. like to me, he he profiles uh, somewhere between Devon Kennard and Romeo Aquara through their first four years. You know, and we know what happened with those guys when they left the team. They got, you know, oh, shit, there was the bump we were looking for. Right. Right. Uh, you know, so I, I'm OK with with. I would be okay with with Lorenzo Carter and Aziz Ojolari, assuming that they don't like take a dip uh, as starters. Um, linebacker, the rest of the linebackers. I mean, Tate Crowder's good as a second inside linebacker. Uh, Martinez, if he's healthy, I think we'd be set at inside linebacker. Just permanent, you know, just good. I mean, we saw how well it was working with those two there. And Tate Crowder, he does have his dips. He's getting better. You know, he's he's getting more awareness and. I think this past week he kind of showed uh, a bit more that he's he's ready to step in, you know, when he can, you know uh, step in at that you know uh, uh, inside linebacker captain of the defense role. Uh, he has had some dips this year though, so he's still growing. But as far as two starters, I'm good there. Where we have been fucked is depth at pretty much every position except safety, and it's <laughs> yeah. it's. Aside from the O-line starters, it's the second someone gets injured, shit, there goes the fucking season. And we can't have that. And that's where the Giants need the build. You know, that's where that's they need to start looking for, okay, if this guy goes down with injury or his contract expires, is somebody on this roster further down ready to step up? We don't have many of those. Where We're betting on the guys we have just got here, you know, where it's like maybe he can, but they just fucking got here. You know what I mean? So we got to find through the draft, the free agency, we got to find guys who who are young enough to 
sign and try to keep around for a while, but uh, we don't have the room really, and we'll get into that. We don't have the room next year to be signing like, okay, legit starter day one. Um, but yeah, I, I, no more of these guys that, that uh, are special teamers that fit into this very narrow role on defense, like guys who can step up at any point and do you know, what you need them to do to keep this defense running as is. That, that, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I again, think we're pretty much in line with a lot of things. Um, how, how, let's um, let's start with this, just kind of run down the way that you started. Well, Like you said, the, our weakest spot, everyone agrees, right, has got to be the offensive line. So when we look at who is signed for 2022 on the interior of the offensive line, you're looking at only three guys. It's Shane Lemieux, who we we saw for like I think one series before he he tried to play through a knee injury or, or something like that. Um, that didn't work. And really, last year, 2022, he was like, you know, he was okay. I was excited to see how he had grown because he was just okay at best overall. He was kind of a plus run blocker, but pitiful in pass blocking. I didn't really see much improvement throughout the year. Um, so I was looking forward to him this year. So now I have no idea what to expect out of him. But he's signed through 2022. Ben Bredesen also, um, you know, he's he kind of hurt his hand and now he hasn't even reclaimed his spot from Matt Skura. And Nick Gates is signed through 2022. But I have to see that he can push guys and put a lot of weight on that leg. You know, I, I really... I want nothing more than Nick Gates to come back and be the badass that I know he is. I just I, I don't I don't know that he can do that at least in 2022. I don't know that he can do that. So that leaves us with a grand total of three guys signed to the interior offensive line, all of which are question marks. Yeah, and for me what I would do honestly mm-hmm. is I would actually extend Hernandez. Okay, I wouldn't. I think I'm with you there. Much. By the way, I like he he cannot be getting uh, uh, money in the top, you know, fifteen for veteran guards or top twenty is the other thing people mix up when they look at it. Um, when they look at like uh, annual salaries and stuff like that, like they they don't filter out who's on a rookie deal. But I wouldn't right. put him within the top fifteen of, of veteran guards. I think I also think he, his agent would be foolish. It, like I would give him three to four years, uh, five and a half mil a year, um, and give him like the ability to get out of the contract. Like he can void it two years in if he takes a jump and he wants to try and you know test elsewhere. But you got to try and fill those holes with guys who are are decent right now uh, until you can draft like a legit line. Right. Because like I said earlier, you don't want to sign a a legit line over because they're never going to meet they're never going to meet their contract. So you want to try and at least keep some continuity there. Um, So guys like Will Hernandez, who has an expiring contract, I would even Billy Price. I would resign him to what, you know, as close to peanuts as you can get, because I don't think they're going to either one of them is going to get like a lucrative contract elsewhere. Not after this year. You know what I mean? So you try and at least stem the bleeding there uh, with however you can do it. You know, I'm with you because 
what you have to understand is that Will Hernandez is going to command the most money out of Billy Price, Matt Scarra, and Will Hernandez, right? And and I think I agree with you. Five million a year—that's an increase for him this year. He's making three million. He counts for three million against the cap anyway. That's what—that's kind of what we're going to be talking about when we say that, right? Like mm-hmm. how much you're going to give them. Really, we're talking about the cap hit. Um, so you know that that's that's. You know that's something for him. That's an increase for him. I don't know that he's going to command a whole lot in the market more than that. And if and if he does, then you can let him walk. But you know we're trying to upgrade these guys, and we're talking about the draft. And obviously, we're not talking about that right now on this episode. But just in general, through Twitter, you know, on the day to day, we talk about the draft and all the guys we're excited about coming out of college or whatever. We still need depth. The three guys that we have signed are all big-time injury concerns or just aren't very good, like Ben Bredesen may not be even good enough to be depth. So that means you might need a, to sign a guy like Billy Price to be your backup center. Or he can just be your center while the guy you drafted gets a little acclimated to the NFL so he's not thrust into a terrible position right off the bat. And you, you know what I mean? So like, I would actually say all three of those guys that are currently starting for us, Will Hernandez, Billy Price, and Matt Skura, all of those guys, I would consider giving. Um, well, you said extend Will Hernandez. You would you wait for his contract to expire and then um, sign him then to a to- totally new deal? No, I I wouldn't. I would try to extend him because um, he his wait his contract expires after this year, right? Correct. Um, or yeah, so I would try to extend him before before the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, and like that, that five to five and a half million dollars a year. That's I use that as a number for the people at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, uh, comparable to Lake and Tomlinson over on the 49ers. Um, that's the deal he got back in 2018. So, you know, that kind of increase now would probably be uh, like seven mil. But Will Hernandez is not worth seven mil. So I would keep it to that. Lake and Tomlinson has outplayed that contract. That is a, you know, either journeyman on your old line or, you know, a good back, a reliable backup, which I think Will Hernandez fits into, you know, you have to throw him in a game as a backup. You're not going to be too worried. You know what you got. So Niners got a steal. I for Will Hernandez, that's about about right for for his his. uh, I I also wouldn't guarantee much, but that that would be about right for his talent. Um, Yeah. I, I agree too. Well, Will Hernandez would be my priority because I, I think it's really difficult to replace a. I mean, really, what you're looking at here is a possible need at left guard, center, right guard, and right tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just just is not possible to do with the capital applications that they're up against and the draft. I mean, you really don't know what you're going to get out of Nick Gates or Shane Lemieux if they're going to be able to play at all and. You know, as we start to shift now to the outside guys with Matt Parrott, like, is he going to play right tackle and be effective? And, you know, hopefully when we're done with this bye week, that question will be answered. Like, hopefully we'll know at the end of 2021, you know, we come back from this bye week, we play Tampa Bay with Andrew Thomas on one side, Matt Parrott on the right side, and we get to see a product that is something that we can build off of. But that even that is like pie in the sky that that's going to be your starter at right tackle. So you absolutely need to bring in somebody. Somebody's got to come back. It can't be all drafted rookies playing four spots on the offensive line. And, I, and I'm with you. I think Will Hernandez is that guy. But as we go to the 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 tackle spot, we only have Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott signed through 2022 because we voided the 2022 Nate Solder year. And even if we didn't, 
there's no way he's coming back anyway. So um, we've right. only got two tackles signed to 2022. Yeah, and it's it, that's a problem. But you know, you also can't. You know, again, you you can't go looking for guys who are really good on the free agent market. We we don't got no. the room, and and you're gonna way overpay for them. Uh, so you kind of have to bargain bin as far as getting to a top 51. Uh, you got to bargain bin hunt on that front, and you got to try and build through the draft. It sucks. Yeah. Um, we'll know what, what the, the coaching staff, how confident they are in Matt Pert. Uh, or it's, it's Pert, right? I, I actually don't know. I've said Pert all along, and I, and I don't know if it's right or not. And I'm, I'm just sticking to my guns, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll know how the coaching staff feels as soon as Andrew Thomas is, is well enough to play again. Uh, if Nate Solder's still in there, it, it don't look good, uh, mm-hmm. which means we'll probably have to spend a first-round pick on a tackle. But uh, if he if he's starting, if he bookends with Thomas, you know, then it, I'm a little more comfortable going, all right, well, let's see what warm bodies we can try and get to, to develop, hopefully. Um, you know, but as far as the offensive line is concern you can't do that through free agency you got to do it through the draft i really wouldn't be mad if they took every pick next year and spent it on linemen and maybe a couple on late ones on edge rushes i wouldn't mind some insane draft like that i really wouldn't (laughs) yeah and especially next year too there there seems to be a lot of i mean it's very early in the process a lot can happen guys can get hurt they can start to slump they can do stupid things off the field. So I don't want to speak too soon, but it seems like there's a lot of quality offensive linemen coming out in next year's draft, um, or at least are eligible for it. Um, the tackle spot without a doubt needs to be, if, if, so if what we see with Matt Parrott is, is really encouraging and, you know, whatever, forget what fans think. If, if the coaches see something really encouraging, that is a huge relief because you're pretty much looking, if you want to get a tackle that's going to be an upgrade over Matt Perry, it's going to have to happen in the first two rounds for sure. So that's a huge investment. If you don't have to worry about that, I mean, the flexibility in what you can do is totally different now. I mean, you can, you know, really address the interior of the offensive line, which by the way, I've been screaming about getting the interior of this line better since like, 2013 2012 because to me if you have a quarterback that can step up in the pocket you're better off but whatever the point is is that it's it's a huge relief if matt parrot um can do that and we can see that because then you only really have to worry about getting a depth guy which may not be very expensive on the free agent market or can be a developmental guy in the draft much like matt parrot was when he was drafted there was no reason we thought to shove him along to play tackle at that time um, but if he can't, then the major investment has to happen. It's got to be in that first two, um, first first two rounds. Really, I I can't imagine a third round pick being a a starter right off the bat at tackle. Yeah, you're also gonna have and keep in mind, people at home. You know, amongst all this, the Giants are gonna end up signing people to futures contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they might extend guys, you know, on the back end a year, something like that, where they, you know, some of the guys on the practice squad, some of the, the back end guys that we have right now, like an Isaiah Wilson, I would, yeah. I would be legitimately surprised if we didn't sign him to a futures deal so that we have him for next year for not much. That's you know? another factor uh, we didn't talk about too. But that's, that's betting on, you know, that's betting on the long shot. You know, it's, it's, we're gonna 
kind of ignore at least me anyway I, i'm gonna try to ignore those guys because you're betting on development and that hasn't worked for the giants in about five six years so <laughs> yeah you know I, other I don't than think nick gates I, nick now. nick gates is probably the only like developmental good story we've had in a while right yeah and he's a fucking unicorn he's an yeah. angry unicorn but he's still a unicorn yeah um Let's talk a little bit about Daniel Jones. I don't want to go too much into this because I think you and I are in agreement that quarterback is probably not going to be in the market for this team. Starting quarterback, right? We agree. Okay. So then what we have to talk about, though, is his fifth-year option because that needs to be decided uh, as soon as the season ends this year and before sometime in May. They have to make that. They have to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, before the start, I think they have until before the start of next year to yeah. make that decision. The official league um, year, and it starts somewhere around May-ish, like right after the draft or something like that. Yeah, so the new GM, because, I mean, we're, we're not going to pretend like Dave Gettleman is going to avoid death again, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's gone after this year. So the new GM is going to have to evaluate whether or not uh, DJ's worth putting a fifth-year tag on. Um I think it's it's kind of a no-brainer. Even yep. if you don't like the kid, you know, it, you do that anyway because it's still a cheap contract for a quarterback. And even if you go and you draft somebody next year or the year after, that's that fifth year is bait for somebody else to trade for. You know what I mean? It, it, it'll end up being a Josh Rosen situation, right? Let's say that we use our two picks to trade up and take our guy uh, – it becomes a Josh Rosen situation where you're not going to get a first round pick for him, but it's incentive for another team to trade for him. Cause then they got him for two years. Hmm. Um, at the same time, on the other hand though, you do think DJ is the guy you do that then. So you have another year to be able with him on a, a rookie contract to then work out a long-term deal. Um, so I, I think it's a no brainer. Uh, really, you're looking at a backup quarterback, and then you got to pray that you get somebody cheap like Mike Lennon. <laughs> you know, yeah, he he was a steal this year. Yeah, well, I think certain people were steals this year just because of the the insanely low cap. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that that was, you know, intentional That's or, or anything like that. Yeah, probably That's not. not. Happen again. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Daniel Jones, we're not really going to have to worry about him at all for the 2022 season. He's an $8 million cap hit. That's nothing. So what we'd only really have to worry about is if he starts – if this offense opens up in the second half of this year and he starts throwing for 400-yard games all the time, we might have to start thinking about extending him before really, exerc- really exercising that fifth-year option. But, you know, that's not really something we need to worry about today um but just so people realize with the fifth year option what we're probably looking at for him is about a 20 million dollar cap hit for 2023 even even if you let's say right like he goes off he looks like the next coming of uh rogers christ right (laughs) um and he just has an amazing back end of this year. You can still sign him to the fifth year option because most yeah. agents, and then renegotiate it later because most agents use any agent worth his salt um, is going to use the fifth year option or what it should be as the floor for what you know the money in that fifth year should be. And then you just go back and you re- renegotiate it. 
you know, and in 2023, anyway, we'll have the room to absorb, you know, uh, I, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, a big quarterback cap hit anyway. So if they want insist on more money up front, we got the availability to do that. But either way, I think it's a, just a no brainer. Like you almost have to at this point um, sign him, you know, exercise that fifth year option. Yeah, I think I'm totally with you. Um, running back room, I don't really have any issues, right? Barkley is signed for $7 million for next year. Um, beyond that, Devontae Booker is there. He's a $3 million cap hit, um, which also, I mean, he could be he could be a cut right there to say if we needed like a quick $2 million or something like that and we felt mm-hmm. that we had, you know, some baller rookie that we've managed to get in the fifth round or whatever, I don't know. You know that that's two million bucks right there, one million dollar dead cap hit for for him. But and then Gary Brightwell, you know, we'll see if he ever breaks into the offense at all. You know, this year, um, but he signed all the way through twenty twenty four. You know, if this is the room next year, it's what we're already dealing with pretty much. I'm fine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's, you know, anybody that's behind Saquon is going to be breaking case of emergency, right? And yeah. it, although it's felt like we've needed to break that glass every year for the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, it's more like retape but, in case of emergency. Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, you don't you don't need to worry about spending money behind Saquon. You got to worry about spending money on Saquon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the future. Yeah, and that's that's going to be like a 2023 thing that that's a whole new GM's decision and um I I don't know that he's going to want to do that. But I'm a big proponent of every single year just grab a couple rookie running backs. Just yeah. two on un, two undrafted guys, maybe a 7th round guy. If you see somebody falling that doesn't belong falling, just grab them. Just grab running backs every year. I I mean, especially if they're undrafted guys cuz they just, I don't know. It, it, it's so dependent on the offense and the offensive line that you can just not spend there and get something. Whereas you're not really going to do that very often with, I mean, obviously quarterback, but, you know, most people on the offensive line, tight ends, maybe you get like a good blocking tight end like that. You're not going to get a whole lot of wide receivers like that. Running back is probably the most productive spot that you're going to get something like that. Yeah, and it's it's the most bang for your on paper it's the most bang for your buck how it actually um works out you know is really anybody's guess any given year but on any given year there's usually you know more than a few guys that you can sign to uh close to the minimum as a break in case of emergency back anyway Mm -hmm. so i'm not really concerned about that kind of spending or that we're going to need to spend an obscene amount of money you know at that position it's you should be able to find somebody for, for not much on the market in like second or third wave of free agency. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll assume that whatever the new GM is won't be signing Devontae Booker's out there in the first day of free agency, and we'll just kind of see what shakes loose down the line, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, you got guys like Boston Scott, Kalen uh, Ballage. I, I can't pronounce his name. It's Kalen Balage, uh, yeah. <laughs> Balage, yeah. John Kelly, you know, all those guys are not making much right now that should be free agents uh next year and for what it's uh, worth so, <laughs> for what it's worth i was really high on both john kelly and kaylin balaj coming out of college so i guess i whiffed on that but you know what do i know um you we're just guys off the street right <laughs> yeah pretty much uh the tight end room kyle rudolph is 
theoretically signed. He's got a $7 million cap hit, but he's only going to be 2.25 dead hit. I have to imagine Kyle Rudolph is gone, right? Yeah. Um, there. If it were me, I'd cut him. Um, you know, after the season. It, that's, that's one place that does concern me a bit. Um, mm. It takes, you know, if you're going for a rookie, if they're not, you know, just if they're not Kyle Pitts, they take about three years to develop. So, and with our with our tight end room, you know, Kyle Rudolph is too much of a cap hit given our situation next year, so he's got to go. Evan Ingram, if we extended him, there'd be riots in the streets, <laughs> you know. Uh, so he's probably not here next year, although I'm probably one of the few people that thinks we should extend him, but he won't sign with us. Like, I don't, I don't think he signs with us even if we try to. No, we can't I don't afford think so either. Yeah. So you got Caden Smith. You know, who is really our only proven can play tight end uh, mm-hmm. next year. Then you got guys like Ryzen John, you know, Ryzen John on um, paper should end up something like uh, what Kalen, uh, not Kalen Balish, uh, Donald Parham Jr. is for the Chargers right now, where it's like he's tall. When we get into the red zone, he's got that ability to be able to, you know, be a touchdown threat. He's what. If he could block, you know, uh, he would be what we wanted out of Kyle Rudolph so far this year. Uh, but he's one of those guys who we haven't gotten an opportunity to see what he can do. So that's another betting on development. So really outside of Caden Smith, you don't have anybody really in this tight end room who's, in my opinion, who is going to be proven. So it's going to be another one of those bargain bin hunting, you know, if you're lucky, uh, this offseason. Well, I, I I mean, there's definitely no argument with that. Caden Smith and Ryzen John combined, though. And by the way, I, I liked the little bit I was able to see from Ryzen John. I think in addition to being tall, he's really fast for the position. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a converted wide receiver or not, but he's like absurdly he fast. He is? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I view him as what Evan Ingram is. Y- you know, obviously not the same talent level, but same kind of skill set. You know, tall fast stretches the field kind of thing except they come in a completely different price range between smith and john we're only spending not even two million dollars there so if we're saving over five million dollars with kyle rudolph it's about five and three quarters i feel like we could sign a good starting tight end for about five and three quarters not i'm not not talking the george kittles of the world or anything like that but yeah but the problem comes back to do we have the money for that next year? You know, uh, mm-hmm. and I, the assumption in, in in case it hasn't been you know clear to people at home, I don't think we my my back of the napkin math we ain't got shit next year in yeah. terms of being able to spend anybody. We're gonna be working our way back to just be able to afford to get into the season. You know, so Ryzen John, I would it would be great if we could. You know, if he could develop into something and show us next year that hey, I can have a I can pl- uh, uh, have a starting role in this, but I, honestly, I think they're probably going to be going for like role players. Like this is your blocking tight end, Caden Smith is your you you know your utility guy that can do pretty much everything you ask him for. Even though he is, he's nowhere near George Kittle, he can do whatever you ask him for. Ryzen John is going to be that guy where it's like all right, passing down, we want to screw with our personnel packages. And we want to put an extra tight end on the field, but really he's a receiver. 
So, you know, in a sunny day, that's how it would work out. And then you got to fill in guys to just figure out the rest of it. You got to get bodies in there. Yeah. I I mean, I guess. I I disagree in that. that I don't think in that. um, I don't think we're going to have the money to be able to sign like a a legit starting guy. You know, it's going to be. Some of the guys I think we should re-sign or extend, you know, before the end of the year. I don't know how we're going to come up with that money. You gotta, you gotta. That's for the front office to figure out how they're, you know, the contract is going to uh, uh, accrue, if you will. Mm-hmm. But we, my math has us at like five hundred grand <laughs> going mm-hmm. into next year. <laughs> not, not assuming some moves get made, but I have us at like we start with like five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I, I mean, the other thing is we have to look at the hope that we're running a different offensive system where we we don't need three tight ends to be active on Sundays because we need to run jumbo sets. You know what I mean? Like, that's another thing to consider. Like, are we going to be run, rolling out there with essentially 10 offensive linemen and none of these guys can really catch exceptionally well between Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, and even Evan Ingram, for that matter, doesn't necessarily catch, even if he is a more receiving tight end or whatever you know i have to assume that we're going to go into the year with a different offense i have to do this for my own sanity i mean um that we're going to go into with a different offensive mindset where you know tight ends can just be tight ends and we don't need to you know have so many guys active just to open the playbook because we can't block on the offensive line we need we need to have at all times this tight end ready to just go in there, like a Levine Toilolo, to just go in there and block. Like, a guy like Rice and John, I don't want to see shit out of next year. I don't expect anything out of him next year. But it would be cool if we had him around next year to learn and develop and get that talent, you know, to grow what he's already got around him. And then you just kind of roll with Caden Smith and hopefully, like, just just somebody. Somebody who can just – somebody on par with Caden Smith. If we had two Caden Smiths, we wouldn't be a very good tight end room. But we wouldn't – how much worse would we be than now? We, I mean, now as in now as in Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, and Rice and John. Since we both know Ingram won't be back. Yeah, it's it's it would be nice. Um, and you know, as as much as uh, on Twitter anyway, like I've been very honest and public about my disdain for our personnel department. Yeah. Um, you know the next the next guard should be able to to be be able to bring somebody in. We should be able to figure something out. You know I, I'm not gonna. I don't expect to look at the roster next year, despite our money troubles for 2022, and go, oh well, we might as well not have a tight end. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I just I just don't expect that we're gonna be able to or that we're going to sign you know a five million dollar a year tight end. Uh, even that cheap, I, I don't. Even, I don't think we're going to be able to do it. Well, yeah, so. because we need we need to get ten million off the books just to get under the cap, and then you need the money just to sign your draft picks. Which two first round draft picks? You're looking at a heftier price than normal. Um, just is what it is. So then, on top of that, addressing any holes outside of the draft is going to be maybe what like one legit starter somewhere. Mm-hmm. At at best, maybe deal. Will Hearn is yeah. Looking at wide receivers, I have no concerns here really other than are we going to throw to these guys or not. Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Toney, and Sterling Shepard are all signed through 2022. 
websites like spot track list 2022 as like a potential out for sterling shepherd but with eight million dead versus a 12 million dollar cap hit saving four million dollars versus what sterling shepherd can bring to the table i think is honestly debatable um you know when you look at that room you have three guys put kind of ahead of him i don't know where you'd fit darius slayton with that in the in the depth chart there's kind of different guys in terms of what they do i don't know that you're gonna have the solid depth at the slot position if you get rid of Sterling Shepard. I mean, what happens if Kadarius Tony gets hurt and is out for four games? Like, who's that next guy up? Colin Johnson, Derek Dillon are the only other guys signed through 2022. Um, I expect the wide receiver room will probably be addressed in the draft a little bit, maybe a little further down. But I don't know. What do you What do you think about that? Is there Is there any savings there for you? Uh, I mean, there's. I wouldn't cut Shep. Um, I think his, his, I think his talent, because like whenever you cut a guy, right, you got to be able to with that savings. You got to ideally, you want to be able to replace or upgrade um, uh, yeah. what he does or upgrade, and then bring somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the general rule of thumb. Whenever you cut somebody, is can I replace him? Upgrade or can I upgrade or can I replace and add? So it's with Shep. Completely agree. I, you cut him for for what the the savings is. You're not going to be able to replicate that. It's not. You're not even going to have a lateral move with Shep. Not, at least not next year. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's a target to be cut. And I would be really nervous about the depth in our wide receiver room if if we did do that. Um, I think you just kind of leave it alone <laughs> for what yeah. we have and bringing somebody to develop on the back end. I, I totally agree. And for me, the 2023 year for Sterling Shepard is, that's my out year for him. I mean, he, he counts for 13 and a half against the cap, but there's only 4 million dead if he's cut. If if there's a time to cut Sterling Shepard, for me, it's 2023. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, I love Sterling Shepard. I don't want him gone at all, but it just is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, flipping to the defensive side, do you want to start with the D-backs? Yeah, the defensive backs, I mean, as far as next year, we're okay. I think that's another one where, where you just kind of leave it alone. You know, uh, you try, you want to bring in, as far as starters are concerned, uh, you want to try and bring in, uh, bring back Jabril Peppers if you can. I, yeah. I mean, luckily for the Giants, he's he, he got injured. I, that sounds fucked up to say, right? But luckily for the Giants, he got injured. So he's, I don't think he's going to be getting any, like, Jamal Adams deals, Mm -hmm. you know, coming off of this year. People are going to say, hey, here's a one-year deal. We might pay you a decent amount for that. But I think I'm hoping that Jabril Peppers, instead of taking that deal with a new team, new system, that kind of thing, he tries to do that again and and have his bounce back year with the Giants. Um, Other than him, I I don't think you touch the secondary, anything like that at all. Um, I don't think you cut anybody because – God bless you if you're trying to replicate the production uh, cut and then replicate the production of any of our corners. Same thing with the safeties. I don't think there's really anybody that you can cut. And if you bring back Jabril Peppers, you still you you've got the three Musketeers back there still in Ryan, uh, Pep, and and McKinney. So I would try to bring him back and not screw around with that at all. In the future, oh, you gotta get you gotta get going on. Uh, finding some some new young outside corners because the second 
um, uh, Jackson and Bradbury's contracts are up, I'd be surprised if they get signed to even a two-year extension. I really would. Uh, you got to find some guys that got to replicate and you know be able to come up and replace them. As far as next year, though, don't touch it. Don't fuck around. <laughs> That's interesting because the the main target here, and I mean he, his name would probably come up in red as maybe the first or second guy when you're looking to save money is James Bradbury because he has manipulated his contract so much to help the Giants in cap relief right now that he is now looking at a $22 million cap hit next year but only $9 million dead if he's hit. But, but I mean, this team just simply can't afford to lose an outside corner right now. Adoree Jackson and Rodarius Williams are really the only outside corners and, you know, Everybody pitched a fit, or not everybody, but a large group of Giants fans pitched a fit when Adoree Jackson was signed because of his injury history. And Rodarius Williams, not for nothing, is a sixth-round pick that just had an ACL injury. So that's not somebody I really want starting in 2022. So I'm with you with leave it alone, but I do think that there's something... I mean, do you see a fall-off in Bradbury's play that you wouldn't necessarily extend him and kind of lower the cap hit for next year? Not really. Um, honestly, I think Bradbury is the same guy. He's playing the same way that he did last year. I it's agree. the same troubles with this defense that we saw last year. So there hasn't been a dip in his play. The difference between this year and last year is last year he had Isaac Yadam across from him. Right. Now he's got a Dory Jackson, who's a fucking lightning bolt, and has played to the point, in my opinion, that it's argue you can make an argument about which one of those two is CB1. You know? True. Uh, it's it's CB one and one uh, A and one B, so because he's he's playing at that level, he would be a CB one on most other teams, given what their current corners are. So you cut him, you want to try to replace him with the CB one, and you're gonna overpay. Mm. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to buy one with with that uh, savings, or you got to spend like your first pick on it and hope that that guy comes in and is a day one uh, CB1 starter, which doesn't happen. It doesn't No, happen. it really doesn't. Yeah, you're right. But by the way, this is why when, when guys like, I think it was Dan Duggan and Art Stapleton were both saying, you know, Patrick Sertain is absolutely on the table for a first round draft pick this year. And people backlash. I mean, this is why. It's so that you bring Patrick Sertain in this year and you could cut James Bradbury theoretically next year. You at least have that flexibility to save, you know, whatever, $11 million, $12 million, and you have Patrick Sertain fill in that spot. That was a completely legitimate Strategy. They didn't end up pulling that trigger, obviously, but uh, that's why that's on the table. A lot of people were like, why would you do that considering what we have? That's why, is you're thinking beyond the year that you're drafting somebody. Um, for me, I'm looking to see if I can extend James Bradbury and uh, lower next year's cap. Um, I don't really know how long. I wouldn't say any more than in beyond 2024. You know, kind of like what we did with Logan Ryan was like a three-year... Restru- the first year was restructured and then like two years added on, right? I I um I think his his twenty twenty two contract is the last year that he signed through. Twenty twenty three is a void year. Um just uh, as part of that restructure. I would like to extend him, um but thirty it tends to be the cliff for a lot of players in general, never mind corners. And Bradbury isn't fast as is. Uh, what was it? Chris Carter said something 
when he was still on TV. Oh, you don't get uh, weaker in the NFL. The longer you're in the NFL, you get stronger. You do get slower, though. And Bradbury isn't quick in the first place. Um, he's he's good enough for an outside corner, but he's not quick. So 30, to me, that's about when he should fall off. I would actually probably let his contract expire and mm-hmm. see if I can get him on the cheap um, in free agency. Uh, if you can extend him a year or two, you know, help yourself out up front, fine. Uh, but he's already got a $1.3 million uh, restructure bonus in 2023 it's you know i have a hard time signing him because of his age or extending him because of his age who knows though maybe he'll show next year that he's worth an extension that's fair yeah but but either way i think corner has to be addressed in the draft because you have to start looking at beyond next year when you're drafting next year i mean like it was cool that they went out and got rodarius williams because he was impressing Kind of, you know, certainly did more than I expected right off the bat. Earned a lot more t- playing time than I thought right off the bat. But he's hurt now. And, you know, I'm not really counting on him to continue that development coming off a torn ACL right away. So, uh, to me, corner corner becomes a draft position of need for me. Um, yes. And it's something that I don't really hear anybody else talking about. Um, not that I think I'm smart. I just think that that... that is overshadowed by what we're probably going to talk about next is edge rushers, which people are screaming about, right? I mean, when you look at the 2022 edge room, does it, I mean, could it possibly look worse than 2021s? Well, well, corners and edges are, are those positions that require some, uh, require a, a year of development time. And if you don't constantly think ahead, it becomes an issue very, very quickly. Like for the Giants, <laughs> yep. You know, JPP left, and you know, and it became a huge issue for the Giants very quickly, and it's never quite gone away. Um, if Aziz Ojalary, you know, you got to give him another year to continue to develop, but so far he looks like he should be. We should be good uh, as mm-hmm. far as a will linebacker. I think Lorenzo Carter, if you you know extend him or resign him. Uh, you've got your Sam linebacker as far as Sam functions uh, set. It's going to be the backup guys, you know. And and I know a lot of people are going to look at, oh well, Marcus Golden got signed on the cheap, um, Hassan Reddick got signed on the cheap. But those guys are very like narrow as as an excuse as to why you shouldn't um, re-sign Lorenzo Carter. But those guys are strictly pass rushers. Those guys right. are strictly all they do is see ball get ball. So those are the kinds of guys that we want to look at, and it's fine to go ahead and try and sign one of those guys, but I think that needs to be done in conjunction with like re-signing Lorenzo Carter or extending him um, or get one of those guys in the draft. But then, you know, we already got to look at a line. We already got to look at corner for the future. You know, uh, how many early draft picks are you going to spend where? And edge rusher isn't a, for me, early draft uh uh, early draft capital spot, but it's something that definitely does need to be addressed either with a Marcus Golden contract to a Marcus Golden type uh, in free agency uh, or you spend a mid- middle round pick. I know some people are schwitzing at home about that because <laughs> how many third and fourth round picks have we spent right. on guys that are like, we hope they develop, and I'm basically saying we need to do that again. But I don't I don't see that as our most pressing issue where you got to throw money at it. And I don't see it as as long as you re-sign Lorenzo Carter. Um, I don't see that as like a position where you got to sign a starter. 
Yeah, I think I'm with you. And yeah, yeah and I think some of those see ball, get ball, there's like, like Ellerson Smith to me is a see ball, get ball guy. And I was really annoyed that he, not annoyed like it's his fault, but it's frustrating that he got hurt because, you know, he didn't play in 2020 um, in college. And, and he just is that guy. I mean, he's like a straight up just like he's fast and long. So he's just going to try and get to the quarterback. That's really what he does. I don't really expect him to drop into coverage a whole lot, though. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't um, rule anything out with Patrick Graham. But guys like that, I mean, I'm hoping that he develops. But you're kind of right. I mean, like, it would be great if there was a Chase Young on the other side of Aziz Ojolari. But, you know, right now with the needs that this team has on the offensive line, I have to think that that just sort of falls away. Um, you know, and, and we're, we're speaking in generalities here. Like I say things like O-line and edge, like those are people. They're not people. So like obviously if if the edge guy that's on the board is like a class A five-star edge rusher and then the top O-line guy is like, eh, he's good. You know, obviously go for the edge. Get, get the better player. But it's not looking like that's going to be what the giant situation is when they go to pick in the first round. So – yeah, and you know, and for guys like Ellison Smith, um, it'd be nice. Another one where it's like, hey, it'd be nice, you know, it'd be nice yeah. if Carter Coughlin developed into, you know, just this tiny white lightning off the edge. You know, it, it would be nice, you know, Raymond Johnson, you know, uh, uh, becomes a uh, even a role player edge threat. I haven't seen that. So I yeah. can't say, you know, I, I don't want to tell the people at home like, oh, well, we'll be OK when. Oh, I don't no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. No, don't count yeah. on anything. Ellerson Smith. That's what I, I'm just saying. Like, I thought it was cool that they got a guy that wasn't like they got a guy in the middle rounds in Ellerson Smith. That was just that. This is his skill set. This is what he does. Mm-hmm. Well, don't try and make more of him. Just make this part of him better and just let him do that. So as opposed to going out and getting a Marcus Golden out there or whatever, and you're 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 spending this top dollar on a guy who can only do one thing, not top dollar, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're you're spending more than the 1 million dollar Ellison Smith cap hit on a guy who does one thing or you go out there and get a guy who only does that one thing and you just let him do that one thing. But it's a shame because we didn't get to see any of it through the first half of the year. Um, he was just active. Uh, actually he played I think maybe two special team snaps. He was beyond just being active against the Raiders. I believe he did see some field. Um, so who knows? Maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking too soon on what we'll see from him this year. Well, you gotta you gotta stack that type of player anyway at, at edge, right? You know, oh, even yeah. if he's just even if he's a rotational guy, you can't just have one. You know, and all he does is see ball, get ball. You can't have just one of those on the roster. You can't have just two of those on the roster. You're gonna have multiples of them. You know, so even though, like I said before, I'm going to get fucking annoyed if we keep getting special teamers that all they do is this one narrow thing. But I think that's at least in theory, right? That's one position where you could get away with that. You know, if he plays special teams and all and all he does outside of that is power rush. Fuck it. You know, when the situation calls for it, go ahead and do it. And Patrick Graham, you know, he'll probably set it up. To where teams expect that when they see that kind of personnel in and then throw some kind of curveball anyway, you know. Uh, so I have no problem with as far as edge, you know, if we, again, resign Lorenzo Carter, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't pay him like a top 15 edge rusher. You know, you pay him like a Sam linebacker. But, 
you know, as long as that happens, I'm comfortable with getting a few uh, uh, role players to strictly, you know, rushes to supplement what we already have on the roster. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more concerned about the inside spot than edge spot because I'm right there with you. I right now I look at this defense and and I see, you know, they're held back a little bit by. I think their biggest holdback right now isn't actually the edge room. I think it's the ineptitude of the offense. The offense Mm -hmm. can't score points, so they're always playing in a tight game or from behind. So the defense is kind of made more one-dimensional than they should be. Uh, And they have to take a lot fewer risks. So, you know, to me, uh, instead of making that defense better by adding a top-tier edge rusher, getting a badass offensive lineman to keep drives alive or, 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 I don't know, whatever, just getting somebody to help the offense wherever it is they may play to get them to score points, I think helps the defense more and ultimately helps win more than getting a badass edge guy to make the defense better. That's just my opinion. However, the inside linebacker, off-ball linebacker kind of guys, this is concerning because I like, like you said, Blake Martinez and Tay Crowder next to each other. I'm I'm super comfortable with that. I'm totally cool with that. But my big thing here is that Blake Martinez accounts for a $14 million cap hit with only five and a half dead, and he's coming off of a major injury. That, to me, is probably the number one crosshairs target for money saving for next year. Do you, you, you don't agree with that, though, right? No. I, okay. I think there's other – in a perfect world, you would cut a few other guys um, mm-hmm. and then try and rework some deals or at least add void years. If I were a GM, I'd say, uh, fuck it, uh, Soldier's gone, mm-hmm. Rudolph's gone. Dixon's gone. Uh, I'll trade Booker or cut him. I'll trade Booker for like a 2025 conditional seventh. I don't give a shit. We'll try and figure. We'll we'll draft depth, you know, uh, in like the sixth round, uh, and then I try and rework, you know, add void years to Sterling, two void years to both Sterling Shepard and Logan Ryan's deals. And I do not touch Blake Martinez at all. Like I, I get that he's bouncing back from, you know, he's gonna have to bounce back from like a, a, a knee injury that. He can end careers, but he is his value for what it is. I mean, like, what what was the talk going into into uh, last off? It wasn't this off season. It was last off season where it was like, oh, you got uh, Blake Martinez and um, you got what's the guy that plays for the Raiders? Um, the the middle linebacker that we just saw, uh, um, Littleton, Corey Littleton. Yeah, Corey Littleton, and then. It, like Nick Kwiatkowski yeah. and uh, somebody else. And it was like, oh, the Giants paid Blake Martinez like $14, 15000000 million a year mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And uh, he was the worst linebacker. He looks like the best fucking linebacker out of that whole group of, of yeah. free agent signings. So I'm hoping he – I'm going to give him the opportunity to come back as opposed to – and perform again um, for the rest of his contract as opposed to just going like, well, you're expendable. Because for me, the again, the write-off here to to replicate what he does is we don't get enough savings to be able to replicate that. I don't think anyway. I know a lot of people chalk him up to oh he's a run stuffer, you know. Oh, I, I don't think no. That I I mean I love Blake Martinez as a as a player. Uh, he he's outstanding, and, and everything you said is absolutely true. I think he, out of those four, I think it was like Joe Schubert and. Um, 
Kwiatkowski and and uh, Corey Littleton and Blake Martinez were like the top four. Everyone kind of assumed Martinez would be the bottom one. Just, but to me, some of that is. And, and again, this is I think Blake Martinez. People were overblowing his bad year with the Packers or whatever. Um, but they weren't watching the tape. That's yeah, the well, I mean, as usual. Um, but how much of that is Patrick Graham putting Blake Martinez in a situation to succeed? You know, how do we know that had the Giants gotten, say, Corey Littleton, that we wouldn't be dealing with an even better player? I mean, do we – I mean, I don't think that, but how much of Blake Martinez is Patrick Graham is, I guess, what well, I'm saying. We we can deal in speculation for, you know, whether Corey Littleton or Nick Kwiatkowski could come in and do what he does. But what I uh, – or at least be able to be close. But what I do see from from Blake Martinez is for the price – I'm sorry. His average salary is $10 million, not 15 So he's a fucking steal for what that is. What he does is he's reliable against the run. He's a reliable tackler. He hits like a – Motherfucker. So if he's blitzing, he if he's blitzing and he someone tries to block him, he generally blows that block up. Yeah. Uh, he's smart enough and quick enough to get in the passing lanes, even if he isn't touching the ball. He's making those passing lanes uh, and those those passing opportunities as tight as possible. Um, he doesn't need to to be a, a blanket coverage linebacker. You don't have many of those. You got maybe three of those in the NFL yeah. at any given time. So he's not going to be that, but he's for a guy that's chalked up to be what Reggie Raglan actually is. Um, he does a hell of a lot more than Reggie Raglan does. So <laughs> if for the money that you're going to save anyway next year, if you cut him, you're going to get Reggie Raglan. You're going to get. You're actually going to get a Reggie Raglan. You're actually going to. And, and that's not the crap on Reggie Raglan. Right? No, no I, offense. You, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. You're going to end up with a run stuffer because mm-hmm. $10 million a year for Blake Martinez for what he does, that's a steal, my opinion anyway. You're not going to get that with the what? With the um, uh, uh, $7.5, $8 million in say I'm sorry, $8.5 million in savings if, if he gets cut. Yep. You know, it's just, nah. <laughs> not. Fair enough. Uh, defensive line, I, I'm pretty okay here. You know, uh, something needs to be added here. Um, obviously, you know you you mentioned Austin Johnson. I think he's, I think he's playing above his role right now. Like when when they signed Austin Johnson and Danny Shelton, I expected you know like first and second down, Danny Shelton maybe Austin Johnson on third down, and now it's like Danny Shelton. If I could kick him off the team, I might, um, but I don't have that authority. Uh, Austin Johnson's kind of stepped up way more than I expected. Um, but still, he ain't no great shakes either. But between Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, I'm pretty happy. And I know Dexter Lawrence isn't very flashy, but I think a lot of what allows Leonard Williams and like you know the linebackers to come up and make plays, like Tay Crowder coming into running lanes and stuff like that, a lot of that has to do with what Dexter Lawrence does in dealing with trash on the offensive line and just kind of you know mucking things up. In addition to making the splash plays that he does make from time to time. I like those two together, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And I think that there has been a slight drop-off in in play on the defensive line because of Dalvin Tomlinson not being here as well. I think the three of them together was was magic. Um, 
And as much as I do like Raymond Johnson, I'm not going to elevate him to the Dalvin Tomlinson second round pick level of play. I think that they could use, and I know Giants fans don't want to hear this, they could use some draft capital being dumped into the defensive line. Yeah, um, I I definitely agree that the Giants should put some uh, mid-round, you know, at at most draft capital into, into the defensive line. Uh, Graham's defenses work best when you can rotate when you have several guys to pick from who can rotate in and eat up two gaps at any given yes. point. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's why it works when we have one defensive lineman. You know, and five linebackers and and the rest are corners. You know that that's why that works is because when that happens, we don't have Danny Shelton on the field. We've got Leonard Williams on the field. We've got Dexter Lawrence on the field. Austin Johnson every now and then is the one uh, defensive lineman in in those one DL sets. So I I say Austin Johnson doesn't do it for me because again I'm jaded and I miss Dalvin Tomlinson. <laughs> but you know, extending him I think would probably cost too much money. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's playing well enough to where he might be able to make a bit more money elsewhere, and he's probably going to try to. Uh, so. I would try and find somebody to at least replicate what Johnson does, which is just, hey, I can eat up two gaps um, on any given play, or a gap and a half. Sorry, that's what the scheme actually is, is gap and a half. Um, And just get Danny Shelton the fuck out of town just as soon as possible. I would, uh, my lord, just get rid of him and hang up his picture as a warning to everybody else. Like, don't come here with this shit. Like, if we sign you... You're supposed to be a run stuffer. Don't become a liability on the defensive line. Danny Shelton's a liability. Yeah, and I was I was shocked to see the way he just gets moved. I mean, it's like right from the first week, I was like, man, I mean, the whole team played bad. But by like week three, it's still happening. Week four, it's still happening. It's like he's just not good, man. It, um, part of it is he doesn't get his hands in there and use his full extension. They just no, he just kind of he just puts his body into it. He thinks it, well, I don't yeah. know if he, what he's thinking, but it appears like he's thinking. That he's just weighs enough that he can just throw his weight into somebody. Like, dude, these guys are the elite level of what they do. I mean, you got to try. Um, he he doesn't beat anybody with length, and no. it's and it's like when you see him really get fucked up, it's because his hands got there like a full half second after the other guys, and at that point, your weight don't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm going where you tell me to, sir. You know, it's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, on the specialist side, just to make the quick wrap up here, uh, there's no long snapper uh, signed to 2022. So that's an expenditure that needs to happen, but is not an expensive one. Riley Dixon counts for only three and a half million against the cap with almost no dead hit whatsoever. It's like 100K. Um, mm-hmm. But that is, you know, that's like the fourth highest punter salary in the league. Um, so you are fully on board with letting Dixon go or just cutting him and uh, replacing him with just some other mid-tier punter? Yeah? Yeah, I would get him the fuck out of town and shit, bring back Ryan Santoso. So he, can, mm. he, he punts and kicks. You know, uh, Riley Dixon, the first year of his extension, uh, he met the expectations. I would um, agree with that. He has not since. So it's it's one of those things where it's like you're not putting putting offenses within the 15 enough. 
you know, you're, you're not, you're not performing up to that. So why am I going to continue to overpay for you with, with his savings? If you cut him, his savings is what, like two and a quarter, um, next, if you cut him next year, it's, it's almost the full salary. The dead, the dead hit is only a hundred K. So it's $3.4 million. There you go. Uh, yeah, three. I think uh, Spot Track has like three, two, five, something like that. But for that, I can sign a new punter and I can get myself a replacement long snapper. Yeah. So, like, why the fuck should I keep you? Yeah, you know, actually, I'd like to bring back Casey Kreider, but part of the reason why he those two work well enough is because they're familiar with each other. So, fuck it, I'll just go get another duo. Hmm. To put it into perspective, Graham Gano only makes a million dollars per year more than Riley Dixon. And that's that's a and, Pro Bowl kicker. So yeah, that's a guy who scores know, he's, fucking points. <laughs> he, he's Ganola Gono, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I, you ever hear that that uh, clip of the Spanish announcer from when um, Gano kicked that sixty-three yard field goal? Oh uh, no, field? but I, I I haven't. But I do love those international announcers with the big plays. I think that's so much fun. You you gotta. I'll send it to you. It's uh, it, he's he loses his shit, and I have. <laughs> What he says, I have, I have had it since we've signed Gano. I've had a draft tweet saved with basically that, but instead of you know the uh, Panthers, it's Giants. I've had that saved for hopefully, whenever Gano kicks a sixty-three yard field goal to win a game for us, I'm waiting for that day. Hey, I got the tweet ready, guys. <laughs> but I will, I will be anxiously uh, ready to retweet that. Just re-scrolling my timeline. Um. That's pretty much the 2022 roster outlook from a financial standpoint. Is there anything else you wanted to end off on, or is there so, anything else you just want to talk about? Uh, you know, your podcast or anything. Well, so for me, the situation with with the cap, right? It's what people got to remember is it's not just uh, all right. How do we free up enough to get over the cap? You have to you have to get savings on top of that because it's going to cost money to it's going to cost I think somewhere around like fourteen mil to sign this this draft class. That's because we got two first round picks. So what ends up happening is, um, well even before that, right? You got to get to fifty one. There's a top fifty one rule uh, for up until the season starts where only your top fifty one contracts your your biggest cap hits. Uh, dictate what your actual uh, cap is at. So you got to be able to get to, to 51. We got, like you mentioned, 42 uh, on the roster next year. Uh, Nate Solder's going to go. So that's how we get to the 42 instead of 43. But then you got to assume every person after that is going to cost the team about, on average, $950,000 to get to 51. Mm-hmm. So you got to, that assumes that. Uh, the Giants are signing primarily guys with three years or less experience. Uh, that's a minimum of eight signings by itself just to get there. So that's seven and a half, seven point six million dollars that the Giants also have to account for on top of getting back over the cap. And you get the rookie pool. Um, on its face, it looks like it's something like I'm sorry, it, uh, I got my note here, twelve point three million dollars, but because of the way the top fifty one rule count. Ca- uh, works pretty much anybody after the fourth round doesn't count for the cap. So really you need about 9.3. So you got 7.6, you got 9.3, and then you also got to make up for anybody's for guys that you cut. So really the Giants, if I were the GM, it, I'm the new GM, I'm replacing David Gettleman, 
and Kevin Abrams, fucking shyster, and and uh, whatever his goon is that actually does the the cap management reason we're here um, is I'm actually looking for at least sixteen million dollars that I got to figure out for next year, not just to get back over the cap. You got to have, and then even more, really for like to to get through the season for your elevations. For your hey, someone got fucking injured, and we got to sign someone off the street. You know your IRs, um, it, even the people that we have on IR that we don't end up with the injury settlement against. You got to have money for that. So really, twenty mil you got to figure out, and it's so much more dire than than I think what people are giving it. At least how it looks right now is so much more dire than I think people give it credit for. Yeah, we got room in 2023 and 2024. We got plenty of fucking room there. But just going into next year, whoever this new GM is, is going to have plenty of excuse to gut the roster. And I'm hoping that they don't do that. Hmm. Um, one other thing I want to touch on is, like, who are – what moves would I do really to get here? So for me, Solder goes. Uh, Kyle Rudolph goes. Riley Dix uh, Riley Dixon goes, Devontae Booker goes. I talked about the two void contracts. That gets you to 26, almost 27 million, uh, $26.9 million in total savings, right? Uh, then you get $3.8 million to replace those guys and get to 51. Um, I'm sorry, minimum to replace is $3.8 million, assuming 950K. Uh, your functional savings is really $23 million at that point. Then it's the 16.9. But if you make those moves, you end up with about $6.2 million, which does get you into the year. So for me, that's what I'm looking for when the new GM comes in. Those are the moves that he can make. But then it's, it's again, it's still dire because now we got to replace those fucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? And you can blame Dave Gettleman all you want. But honestly, Dave doesn't do a whole lot by himself. Like part of the reason the Giants are here and part of the reason that their drafts have sucked is too many people in, in the Giants organization have input on on who to draft, what guys to go out and sign. Um, for me, Kevin Abrams is the poster boy for that. You know, uh, he actually let me see. He said uh, on a podcast, Jordan Raynon's podcast earlier this year, that uh, the truth is for the last 15 years. Matt Harris, Matt Martin Mayhew, and now Ed Shriggs are the guys who handle the cap. He doesn't even – he might review some things, but he stays hands off with that shit. What he actually does is – oh, let me sit in on coaching interviews. Pat Shermer, he had input on, on hiring Pat Shermer. You don't like Joe Judge now? He had uh, input on signing him. Uh, bringing in players. You thought that uh, – uh, who's a linebacker a couple of years ago that uh, we didn't – that we moved off really quickly from the Rams. Forget his uh, fucking name now. Oh, Alec Ogletree. I've rep- yeah, Alec Ogletree. I've repressed him. He had input on bringing him in. Coach wants this guy. All right, let me go do it. He said, Dave Gettleman says, go look at. I need someone to look at quarterbacks. He goes and looks at quarterbacks. You don't like Daniel Jones. Hey, he's your poster boy right here, right next to Dave Gettleman. Hmm. So, you know, I'm hoping that he goes, Ed Triggs goes, those guys go, and when this new GM comes in, they make those moves to get us through the year, and then that way we can start looking at, you know, 2023, 2024, those kinds of things, and we can look at paying Saquon, because I don't think, I think you've got no choice but to pay the guy now, 
he's he's too marketable. I think ownership's going to step in and say, "Listen, sign him long term." You know, um, 2023. If you got to extend Martinez, you know, if he's playing really well, shit, give him an extra year. Dex, you know, if they don't exercise a fifth year option, you got to pay him eventually. You got to get through this next year to set yourself up for those for those years, but also not try to lose. And it feels a lot like 2018. Um, going into there where it's like, fuck, uh, we might have to gut the roster, but we don't want to lose at the same time. But the trajectory is different too. We got a lot more younger talent on this team than we did going into 2018. You know what I mean? We we don't have at nearly as many bloated contracts or at least at, you know, to the extent that they were bloated as we did uh, in 2018. So it's it's as opposed to on a decline, it's more of a plateau for where we are going into next year. Yeah, but um, it still has echoes of it, and maybe I'm an alarmist, but it it really does feel way more dire than it is. Those are the only moves I can see that without fucking gutting the team mm-hmm. that I can see you do that. If you cut, and last thing before before uh, I guess we close out, if you cut, keep in mind if you cut Nate Solder, you cut James Bradbury, you cut Blake Martinez, Sterling Shepard, Logan Ryan, Kyle Rudolph, Riley Dixon. Nick Gates retires or he gets cut. You know, fuck it, we'll cut our losses. Devontae Booker, you let him go. That's $41 million you just you just picked up. But you have to gut this roster to just get $41 million. Right. That's enough to sign three starters. You've cut eight guys to maybe replace them with three starters and start from fucking scratch again. So, you know, some of you are like, fuck it, blow it up, let's start again. I don't want to do that because then we no. just end up in this position in three more years. But we got to figure something exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's my thing too. That That's what makes this such a gymnastics lesson because if we were truly as shitty as the, our record indicates and therefore truly in the situation that we are in um, – you know, it would be more of a blow up, right? Like if if we really were, if we had, you know, Blake Martinez signed and he was playing and he just wasn't playing up to his contract and James, we had all these expensive contracts and we were just fucking just terrible at everything, then whatever, blow it up. But I mean, we're not even seeing half the team play. You know, Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas hasn't been in, Kenny Galladay's barely played. You know, we have so many other issues that, and and like I said, you know, for for being ten million over the cap, having forty two guys signed to twenty twenty two is not that bad because there is so much youth on this team. Like you said, they're a lot younger, they're a lot cheaper overall. So there's a couple bloated contracts, but they're not peppered in with an Eli Manning sized contract on top of it, or you know stuff like that. So they are a little bit more flexible, but to reset again. Yeah, it'll probably work, but it'll push us back about three, four years, and we're going to end up somewhere mm-hmm. around the same spot again. So it does take a lot of gymnastics, and that's why I wanted somebody with a lot more brain power than me to come on and just kind of give some opinions that weren't my own shit ones. So um, is there anything else you want to plug besides your podcast before we're, we're done here? Uh, not not really, just, you know. Hey, listen, Just a Giants Fan Podcast. I'm available on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, of course. That's that's where it goes up first, and uh, whatever Google is doing these days, uh, it, it's available all there, all free. Um, listen to me, you know. Hey, I, I, episodes I try to go up every week. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes I've had too many hits of scotch after watching, you know, Giants versus Cowboys, um, <laughs> and I'm out. I'm in a I'm in a coma for a week. But when I do put episodes up, that's where you're gonna find it. Follow me on Twitter at jagpodcast. Um, you know, just 
kiss your mother, be nice to your family, uh, <laughs> go to church. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, that's you know, perfect. I really appreciate you ha- having me as a guest. Um, you know, this is a good. You and I share a lot of uh, a lot of opinions, but I feel like we have good conversation, be it tweet or you know over Skype. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. I'm happy to have you on. If you guys aren't podcast people, but you are Twitter people, I highly recommend you follow him. His his at is right there on the screen. Um, really, really smart dude. He, you're on Twitter almost as much as I am, maybe even more. You know, involved in everything. Um, very again, very weighted opinions. Very smart. Very intelligent conversations. Nothing that makes you want to slam your head through a wall. So uh, I highly recommend that you guys follow Victor. Um, that's going to do it for this. So uh, there's going to be a follow-up episode after this with me and the Cranky Fan where we kind of look at this, the roster in 2022 in a little bit of a different light. And we're going to be accounting for a lot of the things that Victor said on this episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, whatever. Uh, this show is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play. And, of course, it's now available on YouTube as well. So uh, we will see you guys in the near future. Enjoy your bye week. Don't share your plans with the media. Go Giants!